Hello, this is Nicholas Ganger from the Conquering Hill Podcasts. Tonight I have a very special guest named Todd McLeod. Todd is an author and a professor with over 40 years of mindfulness and meditation experience. Welcome to the podcast, Todd. Nice to be here, Nicholas. Thanks for having me. How are you? <laughs> well, Todd, for, no problem. I'm doing fantastic. So for the audience at home, Todd, um, do everyone a favor and uh, let everyone know a little bit about yourself. Wow. Well, that's the ultimate spiritual question, isn't it? Who am I? <laughs> and it's such a big question to answer. And there's so many ways you could answer it. You know, like so often when we're asked that question in Western culture, we give this pedigree of our, our efforting and our accomplishments and our credentials and then very frequently we use that to sort of do a comparison, <laughs> right? Where, you know, mm -hmm. we sort of, you know, get some estimation of somebody, you know, and how do I compare to that person? How do they compare to everybody else? So uh, when I'm asked that question, right, like mm -hmm. to describe myself, particularly when you lead in talking about meditation and mindfulness, um, my mind goes to that place of like, who am I? Right. And that's an amazing question. And, 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 and also interestingly, what follows on the tail of that question is who are you and how does for, you know, every individual mm -hmm. listening to this podcast, how, how would my answer who I am change your perception of what is being said? Right. And so can you just judge the experience for the experience? And can you judge the words for the words? We're getting in deep real quick here, Nicholas. <laughs> you know, like what is uh, being said right I love here? It. The Keep words, going. the concepts, the thoughts. Can you just judge and evaluate and assess those words, concepts, and thoughts? And this experience of hearing these words, can you do all that without putting on this extra layer, this extra filter of it's coming from Andrew Weil, or it's coming from, you know, I don't know, Bob Dole was the next name that came to mind for me, right? Or it's coming from a homeless person down the street. You know, it makes me think of that poem by uh, Rudyard Kipling, If. Do you know that poem? I do not. If, Rudyard Kipling. Because it really speaks to, you know, can you... Um, you know, whether you meet a king or a pauper, can you treat them as one and the same? You want to hear it? Yeah, I please. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating. And yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet tri with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken, then stoop and build them up again with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings, and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone. And so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will, which says to them, I hold on. If you can talk with crowds 
and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common. Let me start try that one again. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth <laughs> and everything that's in it. And what is more, you'll be a man, my son. <laughs> well, that is very powerful for sure. Well, it's that concept of like, who's delivering the words? Is it a king or is it a pauper? And so meditation and mindfulness came up. You want to talk about that a little bit? What do you want to yeah, talk about? Yeah, please. So how did, yeah. So no, nah, I want to talk about uh, how you got into uh, becoming a, I would say an expert in this field, uh, first and foremost, when did it begin? Well, to like, you know, I think more interesting place to start with that. And definitely we could jump into that, but a more interesting place is like a perspective that I have on meditation and mindfulness and the path of personal growth, which for me is pretty novel because I've been on this path my entire life, <laughs> like 52 years, like literally I was born into the center of the human potential movement in California. And then, you know, around the world experienced different places and um, the, the perspective and the approach that I have for thinking about meditation, mindfulness, and personal growth is different than anything I have really seen ever before. <laughs> and, um, and that perspective is influenced by my career in academia. I've been a professor at the university and college level and tenured faculty at a college in California. And... Um, and in academia, there's a real emphasis on skills and outcomes, right? And I have a, mm -hmm. and me particularly, I have a real practical and applicable approach to education and to learning. So let's learn stuff, but let's learn stuff that we can apply, that we can use. And so I really looked at meditation and I, 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 I said to myself, what, what are we doing here? Like when anybody approaches meditation, like some very good questions to ask are like, why do you meditate? Of course. You know, and what do you do when you're sitting there with your eyes shut? Like, what are you doing there? And so most schools of meditation will teach you a technique, but they don't really tell you, you know, and then, and then, then there'll be some, there'll be some teachings about what might come from that. And some theoretical teachings about some of the different qualities that you might cultivate. But I've looked at many different, types of meditation. And what came to me is that when you meditate, there are seven skills that you're practicing. And then these seven skills as you practice them, so it's a very skills and outcomes-based approach to meditation. These seven skills become outcomes. So, so, so the more you practice them, they become outcomes. And so those seven skills are to first, the first skill, just jump in if I, <laughs> if you want to talk about any of these, but the first skill is to cultivate balance between the mind and the heart, right? And, and you could hear heart and you could think about heart as the whole body. And in different mm -hmm. traditions, you know, different cultures throughout human history, different cultures have placed more emphasis at various times at different times upon the heart and upon the body and giving emphasis to the heart and the body. And in our culture, we're very associated with the head. So the first, you know, and so just to illustrate two of these cultures, like back in ancient, you know, old India. Um, in the time of the Buddha, they had a word 
Sita, C-I-T-T-A. And Sita referred to the heart mind. And so they saw the, 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 the seat of decision-making is both the heart and the mind, and they called it Sita. And that was in the language mm. Pali, P-A-L-I, which was the language. And you know, here in. in Panama, actually, they use, well, maybe it's a Spanish term as well, but una cita is an appointment. So if you have an appointment with a doctor, they call it, yo tengo una cita. I have, a, I have an appointment. Hmm. Yeah. And, um, and then in China, the, the Zen, X-I-N, can, is used to refer to as the heart and the mind. And, and that used to be seen as the, the, the seat of human cognition in ancient Chinese culture was the heart. And so the first skill we practice in meditation is to bring more balance between the mind and the heart. And so that could be as simple as just like, I'm going to like tune into my body and I'm going to feel my body. And when I first started on this path, I survived a traumatic event when I was young. That's I had a great blessing in my life. And the great blessing was I was born into this culture uh, surrounded by social scientists, sociologists, psychologists, and the human potential movement and meditation and mindfulness. And so I learned these great skills and I was around these great skill, skills for healing. And then I survived a traumatic event. And so I had this great blessing and I had this great challenge. And when I coupled them together, it was kind of like this perfect school of life where it's like, well, here are the tools, <laughs> mm. you know, now put them into practice and apply them. Is that and, the universe uh, uh, working its magic? You know, like yeah. they, you had, you had those tools ready for that tragic event. And that's just kind of how it all came together. What happened if you didn't have those tools? You know, is that, do you ever think about that? Um, I, have it i can't recollect considering that question but i definitely see tremendous amount of people who don't have those tools and who struggle and people who should you know who maybe also have been exposed to the teachings but they don't yet know how to apply them mm. right like people who might have be professors of psychology and yet really struggle you know implementing growth in their own life and change in their own life um yeah. So that, that when I first started on this path, the point I was going to make was that I had a teacher after, well, after I survived that traumatic event and then I really started to apply these teachings in my life. That's what I mean by when I first started on this path, but I had a teacher say to me, well, what do you feel? And at that point I'd gone so numb from the experience and cut myself off so much from my body. I didn't feel anything. I was like, I don't feel anything. I'm numb from the shoulders down. And so you know, one of the big things I had to do was learn to kind of reconnect with my body and feel my body and cultivate that balance between the mind and the heart. So let's just run through the seven skills real quickly. So you cultivate balance between the mind and the heart, between thinking and feeling, between doing and being, between controlling and allowing, accepting, loving, and flowing. So that's all balance between the mind and the heart. The mind's a very do, think, control. The heart is very be, feel, love, flow. So you're cultivating more balance between the mind and the heart. That's the first skill. So there's balance. <laughs> and then once you cultivate balance, I just have to pause here for one second. I have to think about these because I haven't spoken to them in a minute. And uh, suddenly I find myself on the spot and I'm like, what are the seven skills? Balance. And then So right now what I'm doing is that same technique where I'm releasing, trying to find the answer. This is one of the skills we learn in meditation. And it's okay 
to not be okay. And right, part of finding your answer is being lost. And like just letting that happen and being okay with that is like a skill in and of itself in life that comes from meditation. Balance, presence, focus, choice, relaxation, resting in stillness and science and doing nothing. There I've said them, <laughs> right? But my mind had to like take a moment to go get those. And so that's an illustration right there of this, one of the skills that kind of comes to you in meditation. It's not one of the seven primary skills that, you, that I, I, I say that these are the skills you learn in meditation. But that's one of the skills is like being okay when things don't go the way you want and then staying relaxed. And then also trusting in the process, right? That things are going to unfold. And also knowing that the mind sometimes needs that moment of just like, you know, going into the, its archives and retrieving something. So the seven skills are balance between the mind and the heart, presence, focus, choice, relaxation, resting in stillness and silence and doing nothing. So you cultivate more balance. You get more presence in meditation. You, you cultivate the skill of presence, right? Can I be here right now? There's this great quote that uh, Eleanor Roosevelt said. She said, the past is history. The future is a mystery. Today is a gift, which is why we call it the present. <laughs> Do you know that? Beautiful, Have you heard yeah, that beautiful, one? Yeah, beautiful quote. Absolutely, yeah. And, um, and so you get more presence, which is just like, can, like when I'm driving to get somewhere, instead of like being focused on getting there and just like waiting to get there, can I enjoy the driving? Now, is when that I'm, is that the base right there, starting in the present? Is that the base? Is that what you consider like where it all begins? Um, well, presence is the only place, not only where you know it's it, it's the only place where reality exists is the present moment. Yeah, true and that. so and so, you know. One of the things which is a great insight to me when I, you know, at one point in the path was understanding the truth of reality. So when we get through the seven skills, we'll talk about the truth of reality. Okay. So there's balance, there's presence, right? Can you, when you're walking from your car to Costco, can you just enjoy the walking? Or are you like, you know, thinking too many thoughts or in like, you know, focused upon what needs to be done. And like, can you just like look at the day and see the clouds? So balance, presence, focus, like focus is an amazing skill. And so there's various qualities of focus. You could have a wide focus. You could have a narrow focus. You could have a loosely held focus. You could have a very intense focus, right? Where you fiercely are staying focused upon something. And so cultivating the skill of focus. And when you, when you combine like presence with focus, you start to get flow. I'm here right now and I'm paying attention to what's going on. I'm not thinking, but I'm not leaning too far into the future. I'm not holding on too far into the past. It's right here, baby. Right. And like, this is the zone in sports and this is something people love. Right. So like surfing, rock climbing, like, let me just be in the present moment. Something that demands my attention. People are drawn to that because that's where vitality, life, reality is found. So balance, presence, focus. Right. Focus is also I'll just say one more thing about it. This analogy of a laser, a laser is nothing more than light, which is focused, yet it can burn through steel. And so when you get focus in your life, you could overcome challenges, obstacles, barriers. Right. You could really kind of make forward progress. And so paradoxically to the stereotype 
of meditation, which is often that meditation is about like, you know, releasing, giving up. There's a lot of that in it, right? But passiv passivity, it's great. Passivity is great. But also there's this stereotype that comes with meditation of, in of, uh, of inefficacy, right? Of people being just sort of like diffident and like wearing their white clothes and and not really driven to accomplish or achieve. And and really, when you gain these skills, you become more powerful, more more effective, more successful. You get more things done. You enjoy it better while you're doing it, right? But you mm -hmm. could accomplish more. Balance, presence, focus. Focus is amazing. And then the power of choice. Choice is incredible. And choice is like one of the most important important things you could cultivate, one of the most important skills. So to varying degrees until we all liberate into grand enlightenment, the large awakening, right? We are all trapped in a prison of, of you know, inefficacy and victimhood to varying degrees, right? We're held back by our conditioning. And so the, lear the more we learn to make exercise and use the power of choice to step out of patterns of thought and patterns of behavior and to step into doing things in a new way, right? That allows us to really start to build the life that, uh, that we want to build, build a more skillful life and realize more of what we want to realize in our life. And so this isn't just like, you know, kind of random esoteric theories. Like this is academically studied. So there's an amazing book called Smarter, Faster, Better. And, uh, and it's a really consumable book. It's very easy to read. It's very enjoyable. But they really talk a lot in this book about the importance of the power of choice and self-efficacy and cultivating, they call it an internal locus of control. So all these words kind of point to the same thing. But this internal locus of control uh, is essential to and you know stepping out of that victim mentality the more you, the, the more you step out of that the more you step into your self-efficacy the more you're going to be healthy happy enjoy life realize success so balance presence focus choice right like just there i'm already sold like okay mm. yeah that's what we do in meditation like i want to practice that i want to get better at all those things i want to i want to tune in to the source of wisdom which is my body and i could tell you so many stories about that I'm going to share a story with you right now. I have a friend and he called me a couple of days ago. And, um, and this story actually opens up an entire doorway into Carl Jung and Wolfgang Pauli, who is one of the original physicists, the whip of God, you know, and um, one of the original physicists, quantum physicists back in the 1900s. But both Carl Jung and Wolfgang Pauli invested, investigated something known as synchronicity and devoted a significant portion of their career to it. And synchronicity were events which, because of their timing, frequency, and meaning, could not be explained by mere probability and chance, right? And it wasn't apophenia, which is attributing meaning to something that doesn't warrant and merit meaning. And so the classic synchronicity, one of the classic synchronicities from Jung's life was uh, he had a patient, he was doing therapy in Vienna, and they're, they're, this patient's telling him a dream about a beetle, a scarab beetle. And Jung is listening, and then he hears a, why this woman's talking, he hears this tapping. And Jung turns and looks to the window, and he sees this beautiful 
green blue scarab beetle. The woman's telling him a dream about a scarab beetle. And then he sees in Austria where this beetle is not common, a scarab beetle tapping it. He opens the window, the beetle flies into the room. And Jung is like, the probability of that is like, I can't, I can't attribute that to chance. Because of the frequency, meaning, or significance of the event, that's a synchronicity. And so what that all points to is that we are energetically connected in ways which go beyond our rational conscious awareness. Okay? So back to my friend. A couple of days ago, he, he calls me. And he's like, my wife and I are splitting up. And she's staying at her parents. Then tomorrow night, I'm staying at my parents. And I realized I'm an abuser. And I haven't physically abused her. I've emotionally abused her. I'm like, wow, man, I'm so sorry to hear this. And then today I'm sitting and I'm working. And I'm like, I got to call my buddy. And I call him up and I'm like, hey, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. And I, I'm like, are you thinking of hurting yourself? And uh, And he's like, yeah, yeah, I am a little bit. I'm like, do you have a plan? Are you thinking of killing yourself? And he's like, I, I've just been looking all that up online. And I'm like, look. And so then I talked to him and now he's gone to the hospital, right? And his dad came and picked him up and took him to the hospital, check him in. Because where he is now is not where he's going to be in a year, right? And, and where anybody is at when they're facing a really difficult, challenging time. And I have been in that spot, right? Myself where you're like, well. it, it could feel like, man, there's no way out. And it could seem like it's going to be permanent. And yet, if you move through that dark night of the soul, right, it could be transformative and you can learn and grow. And in a month or three months or six months or two years or three years or five years, you could have a completely different life. But it could be so tempting in those moments. The feeling can be there could be so much despair that it could be like, oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this. And you could so desperately want to get away from the pain and the suffering. It could be so intense that you're like, what do I have to do to stop this pain, this emotional pain and suffering of loss? Like he was losing his family and he's also facing this realization, a really important realization with his own psyche that he's been emotionally abusive towards his wife, you know, hasn't been as kind as maybe he would have liked to have been now that he's seeing that. And so that event of me sensing somehow, like right now I got to call my friend, right? Is almost like a synchronicity. And I started telling you this because meditations, balance, presence, focus, choice, right? Cultivating these skills, you get all these amazing skills, but then in some way it also connects you to life more. And, it, and you tune into the wisdom of the body more and the wisdom of the heart. So you get those skills, balance, presence, focus, choice, and then relaxation, relaxation, resting in stillness and silence and doing nothing, those can sound all really similar. And they certainly overlap. If they are a Venn diagram, relaxation, resting in stillness and silence and doing nothing, they're all going to overlap. But they increasingly kind of take you into this place of ultimate surrender. And so relaxation, such an important skill. Like you enter a situation and how can you just enter that situation and connect with people on a human level and be chill and be relaxed? right? How can you release stress in your life? How can you enjoy life more? So important to relax. So balance, presence, focus, choice, relaxation, and then resting in stillness and silence. An amazing, an amazing, amazing skill that, you know, once you discover it and you saw me demonstrate it there, I was like, oh my gosh, 
what what is what were the seven skills of meditation? I haven't talked about them in a while, right? What are they? And then I just let myself rest in stillness and silence. And resting in stillness and silence unlocks the unlimited creative, infinite creative power of the universe, right? You can tap into the infinite creative power of the universe when you rest in stillness and silence. Instead of trying to find the answer with the mind, you allow the answer to come to you. And so just to make this a little bit more concrete, here's an example. Most of us do our best thinking when we're like in the shower <laughs> or sitting on the toilet, right? It's like we finally gave our, ourselves a moment just to rest in stillness and silence. We're no longer doing anything. We're just kind of like waiting for, you know, let the warm waters either flowing over us or we're, we're waiting for the body to do its thing. And then we're like, oh, that's what I got to do about that situation. When we quit trying to make things happen, then things happen. When we quit trying to do things, then things get done. So doing nothing, nothing is left undone is the old Zen saying, right? And so this mm -hmm. skill of resting in stillness and silence is really about, let me release trying to figure things out. Let me release trying to make things happen. And let me just put, you could even just, this is a practice you could take away from this talk. You can even just do that. Like, you know, with yourself, you could say, you could ask yourself a question and then wait for the answer as if you're two, two separate people. <laughs> you could say, hey, what should I do? What should I do about that situation with my work? Ask the question, go to bed, and then see what comes up, you know? And uh, anyhow, so that's resting in stillness and silence. So we have balanced presence, focus, choice, rest, uh, relaxation, resting in stillness and silence. And then the ultimate skill is doing nothing. And so doing nothing is, is just like, it's the most advanced skill. And it's, it's really like, even at that point, you give up even doing, practicing any of the skills, including practicing doing nothing, right? And so it's just this thing of like, all I'm going to do is be aware. I'm just going to be aware of everything. I'm going to do nothing. And ultimately, it's this, it's this tremendous tremendous sort of surrender and release and it's death ultimately and it's setting down the burden of always having to do something get somewhere be somewhere and it's complete surrender and it's just like i surrender i give up i'm no longer doing anything and there's many stories in spirituality that point towards this one of the famous ones in buddhism is the buddha meets this great marauder and the great marauder wants to uh, kill the Buddha because the Buddha's annoyed him. <laughs> and so he's chasing the Buddha and every, the heart of the great marauder runs and Gulimala is the name of the marauder and the harder and Gulimala runs the, you know, the faster the Buddha's moving. And finally in Gulimala, he collapses and, you know, he's this great warrior and he's like, nobody's ever been able to, he's winded, he's on the ground, he's like throwing up, he's running so hard. He's like, nobody's ever been able to outrun me, right? Why, I told you to stop, monk. Why didn't you stop? And the Buddha said to Angulimala, I have already stopped Angulimala. Why don't you stop? Because the Buddha had stopped at a spiritual level, at a soul level. Angulimala is still in the world trying to change things, right? make things different, make things happen, kill people, build a kingdom, whatever. 
and the Buddha had stopped all that. So then, the, then Angulimala became the Buddha's student and changed. I don't know, man. That's a whole bunch of a uh, whole bunch of words. I could keep talking about this forever. So that was a big question. Dude, the seven dude, skills that, of meditation. That, well, those seven skills are um, practiced all together. Uh, creates it creates magic. I can I can tell. I haven't perfected many or, or those at maybe certain times in my life. I've been laser focused. Definitely, um, I've used. Um, probably some of the the hardest moments in my life uh losing my family losing my house uh losing i mean at the time my ex-wife right and i was in a very very dark place i never considered hurting myself but it took me some time to get out of that dark space and from that was the best seed i ever planted was to come here to panama to build a hostel to be able to spend my life with my daughter so that ended up being my dream and for for you to bring it to the level of not doing anything like letting the answers come to you in a way that's also kind of kind of how i met my wife like i i you know i was so laser focused so laser focused on coming back to panama to see my daughter again at the time she was only four or five years old and that's all i cared about i just worked my ass off saved my money and i started to build a, a small little house here and in the midst of that, you know, I stopped going out, I stopped drinking, I stopped wasting money, and I didn't care about chasing girls or anything like that. And I was just focused. I would, didn't want to even be with anyone. But in the end, you know, there's someone who I knew, at, we went to the same local element, uh, middle school together, high school together, who I never even spoke to. I never even spoke to this girl. I remember her face. I knew of her, but I never spoke to her. And like through the algorithms of, of Facebook, somehow she saw a GoFundMe that I threw out there only from a recommendation from a friend to put it out there uh, to you know generate a little bit of income to build this place. And she happened to see it because she was searching for a surfing trip in Panama. And so that came up. She said, hey, I'll come, I'll come out there and help you. I'm like, all right, cool. And I never really, I wanted her to, wanted her to but did I really think she was going to at that time? Probably not. I mean, some people say a lot of things, right? And fast forward six, seven months later, she did come out here uh, to help me. And then the rest is history. She, she, we fell in love. She's my soulmate. We have two more children together. So it does the power, the power of not forcing things, um, to allowing things come to you. Um, I believe in strongly and being laser focused on your goals and dreams that can get you there. If you are completely focused, you will run through any wall, run, jump over the wall, run around that wall. It does not matter. You will get there. Will it be easy? No, it, it's it's not going to be easy. There's going to be bumps along the road, but that's that's part of the journey, right? That's that's the the growth process of learning who you are and the beauty of life. Um, with struggle and failure, you know that's 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 how we learn. That's how we get better. That's that's it. You know, like I'm not afraid to fail anymore. That's how I'm going to learn, you know, and, and maybe we shouldn't be able to instill that more in the youth. I try to do that with my, with my, my daughter, and my kids. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to fail. Now we're going to learn exactly how we move forward on it. Um, those seven, those seven skills are, those are fantastic. My wife is probably more, she's more deep into the meditation. Um, at this point than I am, I just started 
a couple of weeks ago I just started. I'm not even close to where you, you where you are and even getting to those uh, seven steps. Um, however, I'm very, very intrigued and I see the benefits of it. After one of the sessions I did for maybe like a couple hours, I, f- I felt great. You know, I felt different, um, more, more, definitely more focused, more energetic um, than as if I haven't done it since then. So you can feel it myself losing that that little edge in a sense right um but my my wife is all about it for sure um how do we i know you're a teacher uh professor i loved what you shared i loved what you shared nicholas and i love hearing about your life journey and the the you know soul path that you're on and the way that uh your current wife you and your current wife came together and when you share about um how that happened, I, uh, I, I, what comes to me is this idea of co-creating with the universe. And so it's a, it's a fine art to realize how, how do I co-create with the universe? And what that means is that, you know, if you and I were to, like you and I are co-creating right now, and that takes input from both of us, right? And so when you mm-hmm. co-create with the universe, it takes input from you and the universe. And so you can't just lay there on the couch and expect the universe to do it all. And likewise, if you get out there and you try to do it all, you're, you're just a bombastic, <laughs> right? Like partner, you're not really, you know, taking into consideration your partner or letting your partner speak or letting your mm-hmm. partner, the universe also guide the way. So how do you have that partnership with creation and co-create with the universe so that, you know, you're putting in effort, but also the universe is helping everything move along and you can move with it you know it's a it's a fine art takes you know careful listening and um and it takes uh you know the receptivity and even also calling it into um existence in your own life welcoming it into your life that you're going to be a partner with the universe and that you welcome the universe and so i have this prayer that i say in the evenings before I go to bed. And the prayer is um, (laughs) on the spot, like these things that I've, that I've committed to memory, kind of like go running away, like, Oh, what is the prayer? Um, So we'll just take that moment to rest in stillness and silence until the brain forwards the prayer back to me. And we'll just take this moment just to enjoy the silence and to feel our bodies. So here's the prayer. (laughs) I call upon my benevolent ancestors and all benevolent forces in the universe to help me find an optimal solution to release ego, to release fear, to love more fully, and to more effectively provide for my family in all ways. Please help me. So that's the prayer. And that's really welcoming this co-creation with the universe into my life. And I'm being very specific about how I could use help from the universe. And so some people, you know, will pray and, you know, different religions have different sort of you know, words that they might use or names or nouns that they might use to call upon their prayer and whatever works for you, your background, your culture is fine. 
But for me, it's been hard since I was raised with such an exposure to so many different religions. Like there isn't just one, right? For me that it's like, it's this or it's that. So for me, it's this idea of, you know, I love the Native American traditions with their ancestors. So calling upon my benevolent ancestors, (laughs) because I do think that, you know, there's creation and destruction and maybe there's some forces out there that aren't quite as benevolent. So calling upon my benevolent ancestors and also all benevolent forces in the universe. And then also that part about help me find an optimal solution because they can help me find a solution, but maybe that's going to be a really hardcore one, like never at the expense Mm -hmm. of my family. Do I want to release fear and release ego in the sense of like, you know, I wasn't careful in asking for that. Maybe they'll be like, okay, your family all got killed in a plane crash. This is going to destroy your ego. Welcome. (laughs) No, that's not what I wanted. Right. Like, you know, so being, being careful about how you ask for help, but calling it in and welcoming it. Anyhow, wonderful life story, man. I love how you co-create. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, One of the goals I, I painted on the wall on a, June 15th, 2016, my goal is for the universe to visit the Soursop Hostel and for every visitor to leave destined to pursue their dreams. Um, and I think about that quote all the time, that what I painted on the wall uh, behind me, behind this room, there's a what is your goal wall. So we've had volunteers and uh, guests and family members paint their goals all on the wall in different languages from from French to Portuguese to Spanish to uh, Polish, you know, you name it, Italian, Dutch, German. Um, and I, I got that idea. Um, what is your goal from a book from uh, James Canfield, the 100 uh, success principles, I'm sorry, success principles. And he talked about writing down um, 101 goals. So I never made it there, but I had a goal book. I wrote around close to like 20 something goals or so, but I took that idea. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to steal that idea. I'm going to paint on the wall. What is your goal? And collectively through the guests and volunteers that have showed up over the years, we're going to reach 101 goals. And now that I'm saying that, I want to count how many goals I have on the wall. I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm sure on 101, but uh, we still have time for sure. Cool. What's your goal? Well, that was my goal. That was one of my goals. Right now, what is my goal? Well, my goal is to use this podcast to empower and to inspire people to live their best life and conquer their own hills, one hill at a time, because there's going to be many hills in this life and that we can't stand there and look in amazement and be like, wow, I can't do that. That's too high. That's too tough. How do I do that? I want to be able to um, help people, especially with this podcast, uh, having you on, Todd. Uh, it's, it's been wonderful, um, a wealth of experience and sharing stories and um, from people like you that are experts in their field um, in order to help people. Because you know what? There's there's way too much negativity going on in this world, and there's I think there's Oh, there are people that are that are in tune. There are people that are doing great and are successful. But I would say it almost seems like there's a lot of people that are lost and they don't know what to do or they're they're not living in the present anymore and they're just consumed by, by fear. And um, they don't have that power within themselves 
to 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 take their life to the next step, to be happy. And it's a giant goal, but you know, you have to dream big and the bigger the goal, the better, the, the, the bigger your dream, the better the, our dream should scare us. Right. Um, Mm. so I started this podcast. Um, my wife gave me this, this idea after I, I started, cause I would like to be a motivational speaker as well in the future. And I have, motivated some people along the way. Um, I've never got in front of a giant crowd and, and motivated a crowd per se, but, um, I've done a few, I've, I've taught in classrooms, uh, in the United States and where I, especially when I was in 2016, when I was, you know, when I was completely laser focused, that's all I was listening to was motivational speeches from Les Brown, Eric Thomas, mostly Les Brown. And, um, Oh, I, I made a CD and it was in my car. Every time I drove, I was listening to it, you know, wherever I was, I was always listening to it. And so when I would drive to the school to be a substitute teacher, I still had that because this is at six, six thirty in the morning and I'm already ready to go, you know? So I would, I would, you know, jump right into some of these classrooms and try to, um, motivate and show these kids, uh, you know what, you need to follow your dreams. You need to follow your passions. And I think, um, I think, people have lost that for some reason. Maybe they don't think they're, they're good enough or they just, they don't want to put the work in or whatever the reason is. But I think, I think people need to get back to, like you said, living in the moment and, and, and just being passionate and, and following your dream because in the end, this is all we have, right? This we're breathing, we're in the moment, we're, we're living day by day, we're trying to be present as possible. We have it now. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Next week's not guaranteed. Next year's not guaranteed. So to worry and, and fret over these, um, you know, these, these things that are meaningless in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's, it's a waste of time, you know? So, um, that is at the moment that that is one of my goals. Probably the biggest goals is is to continue, uh, you know, helping people through this podcast and and speaking to people like you, growing myself. I, I want to grow. I want to become spiritually and, and and mentally and physically stronger. You know, that was one of my goals when I turned thirty nine. I wanted to conquer the hill. I was turning forty, which is. I'm about five days away right now. So that was my goal. That's how kind of conquering the hill started. Conquer the hill started because I wanted to conquer that hill. So that number was in my head. I was growing up as a kid, um, you know, going to all the birthday parties. My uncles and aunts turning 40. Yeah, you're over the hill. The big joke. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'm not afraid. I know age is, is, is a cliche, right? Age is just a number. But, it, you know, there's no reason for a number or an, of how old you are to put any limitations on you uh, when you when you can do anything, you know. Uh, so that that is what I'm striving for, to become better um, as, a, as a human being, a better father, a better husband, a better person, you know, every single day. I mean... Listen, I'm not fucking perfect. I'll tell you that right now. But I know what is what is right and wrong. I mean, come on, we're all adults, right? You should know what is right, the difference between what is right and wrong, and you should know how to love people. Now, obviously, we all have fucking bad days. We, you know, we project how we feel on certain people. That is life. That is life. But if you can focus your energy on becoming a better person and, and treating 
other people how you want to be treated. You know, that can be a contagion, you know, and little by little, hopefully with, with this podcast, um, I can achieve. Well, you said so many important things, Nicholas, you spoke to the power of choice. You spoke to the power of having a vision for your life, a goal, right? And also what is that vision going to be? And, um, you know, like consciously cultivating and crafting that vision that you can move towards. And so I really heard you speaking to the importance of cultivating kindness and how do we learn to be kinder with ourselves and with other people and live with more love. And then, um, you also, uh, so choice and kindness and vision, and then also just the importance of personal growth. You spoke about, you know, there's so many people that, cha- that, that struggle and face challenges. And a lot of people don't know how to come out of that. And I could say definitively that I sit here before you as living proof to the pa- living proof, living proof to the power of change, growth and transformation. Like change is possible for all of us. I came from the deepest, darkest hole like such a deep, dark hole that at one point I was so down that random strangers would ask me, are you okay? Like I remember a checkout clerk when I was in my dark night of the soul looking at me and saying like, do you have cancer? Right? Like I was so hammered by life and now I've got an amazing life, you know? And so change is possible for all of us. And not everybody knows that or they don't know how to implement it. And it takes work. It could take work, man. Exercise is huge. Sleep, exercise, nutrition, belonging. Like you consciously have to put in the effort and make the choices. And then, you know, therapeutic personal growth, like there's a path forward to grow and to change. And so all of those things, I heard you speak to all those things. And they're also um, necessary to hear because there's so many people who struggle one in eight Americans is an alcoholic. One in eight Americans is on antidepressants. One in four Americans is on some sort of psychiatric pharmaceutical. You know, 18 to 20 American veterans take their life each day. You know, um, one out of every 280 Americans each year attempt suicide. Uh, 70% of Americans are overweight. 40% of Americans are obese. Like there's, there's, there's a lack of knowledge of how do you build or a lack of implementation of how do you implement that knowledge to build a skillful life where you're healthy in, in all ways, physically, emotionally, psychologically, socially, relationships, finances. Like, how do you get all that on point in your life? Well, you got to learn the theory. First, you got to know it's possible. Then you got to learn the theory. Then you got to apply the, apply the theory. So to discover, discover these teachings, that's a blessing. To learn these teachings, because you could discover them and walk away. You could hear this podcast right now and then just like shut the door. So to discover these teachings is a blessing. And right now, if you're hearing these words, you're discovering them. To learn these teachings is a second blessing. So now you have to go on the path to learn them. And if you're like, where do I get started? One place you could start is you could watch my course on Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y. You could Google Udemy Todd McLeod, T-O-D-D-M-C-L-E-O-D. And that's a place to start. There's a lot of other resources out there, but that's one place. So 
I think it's a great place because <laughs> I've synthesized so much of this stuff. So to discover the teachings is a blessing, to learn the teachings is a blessing, and then to apply the teachings is a blessing. Those are three separate blessings. And it's like a holy trinity to have those realized in your life. Because some people discover them and never learn them. Some people discover them and learn them and never apply them. Like I know people with PhDs in psychology who don't know how to actually apply it in their life. But to discover them, learn them, and apply them, that is such a gift. And it is going to be the greatest adventure, the greatest quest you've ever been on in your life to do that. And by the greatest adventure, greatest quest, I also mean that it's going to have like all of those elements from any great movie you've ever seen where there's like really harrowing, challenging, narrow passages, you know, and steep, rocky cliffs, you know, and like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, but then, oh, thank goodness, I never gave up. I got to the top of that ridge. So it's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. And, um, and there's so many extraordinary things when you start to become receptive and open and you give up knowing and you surrender your knowing and you say, I do not know. Because when you say, I do not know, you're then ready to learn. When you say, when you, when you say, when you think you already have all the answers, then you're not a good student. No, thank you. I already have all the answers. But when you're like, when you come and you, you allow, you, you choose to be humbled and you say, okay, I don't know everything. Please teach me. I'm ready to learn. And you say that to the universe and you say that to other people, right? Now you're going to be a good student and, uh, and you'll be ready to learn. But it's, it's an, and when you do that, when you, when you say, okay, when you, and to give up knowing is like giving up, like the knowing, even that this is the way reality is, right? And so like, when you do that, these synchronicities that we spoke, I spoke about might start to occur in your life. I've had experiences which rational, the rational materialist that I used to be, right? Rational materialism is like this physical physics existence. Like I've had experiences that have blown my mind, right? Completely blow my mind about like, wow, there's so much more going on here than is, you know, than I previously thought like forces beyond my understanding, whatever you want to call them. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. That's, you know what, Todd, thank you for coming on. Um, I think I, I could listen to you for, for, for a few more hours, but thank you so much. Uh, please tell the audience where they can find you again and how to get in contact with you. Yeah, the best place to uh, I don't know, engage with my teachings would be on Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y, and uh, just Google Udemy Todd McLeod. Um, and Twitter is uh, at Todd underscore McLeod, um, M-C-L-E-O-D, and T-O-D-D underscore M-C-L-E-O-D. So you could DM me on there if, you, if anybody wants to reach out to me. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Todd. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, hopefully in the future we can uh, connect again. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was fun. Glad to be here. Thank you, Nicholas. Bye-bye.